chapter 10. That's what I want to look at today. We're going to start there in just a moment in verse number 11. So thankful for that time of worship. Brother, you've done a great job, all the worship team. Thank you all so much for using the talents and abilities that God's given you to honor and glorify Him. That first song just blessed my soul. I love it when it says, thank you, Jesus. That's how it begins. Thank you, Jesus. And then it tells us why we should thank Him. It says, because we can come to Him just like we are. Amen. I'm so thankful this morning that I can come to Jesus just like I am, and He's willing to forgive me. He's willing to accept me. He's willing to change me. That's true for me, and that's true for you today. We ought to thank Him because we can come to Him just like we are. Never let someone make you believe or cause you to think that you have to clean yourself up and come to Jesus. No, you come to Jesus and He cleans you up. He loves you just like you are, but the thing about the Lord is He loves us too much to leave us like He found us. When we trust in Him, when we um, accept Him as our personal Savior, when we place faith in His finished work for the forgiveness of our sins, listen, that begins a process where we grow to be more like Him. And I'm so thankful this morning we can come just like we are. He accepts us by His amazing, matchless, wonderful grace. This morning, I want to continue in our series of messages on the I Am statements that Jesus makes throughout the book of John. If you remember, last week we looked at John chapter 14 and verse number 6. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth. I am the life. Folks, I can tell you from my own personal experience that you'll never ever understand and know the peace of God, the peace that truly passes all understanding unless you know Jesus. You'll never have peace for living and you'll never truly have peace for dying unless you know Jesus. I'm here to tell you this morning, you'll never understand the purpose, meaning of life or your own individual specific purpose in life unless you know Jesus. Listen, life just makes sense when you know Jesus. If you believe that this morning, say amen. He is truly the way, the truth, and the life. And for that, I am so very thankful. I'm thankful that He's shown me the way to the Father. I'm thankful that by His truth, He has set me free. And I'm thankful He's given me eternal life, which is also abundant life. Life that keeps flowing from my soul. I'm so thankful for who Jesus is. Now today, I want us to look at John chapter number 10. We're going to look at verses 11 through 21 at another I am statement. Jesus says there, starting in verse number 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. He that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches them and scatters the sheep. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and cares not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. <laughs> he says, and know my sheep and am known of mine. So good. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. The other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. They shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doeth my Father love me, 
because I lay down my life that I might take it up again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have the power to pick it up. This commandment have I received of my father. Verse 19. There was a division, therefore, among the Jews for these sayings. And many of them said, He has a devil, and, uh, and he's mad. Why hear ye him? Others said, These are not the words of he that hath a devil. Can a devil open the eyes of the blind? Let's pray together. Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. I'm so thankful this morning, Lord Jesus, that you are my good shepherd. I'm thankful you lead God and direct your sheep. I'm thankful you know your sheep, how good you are. Lord, I'm asking that you make this tr truth real to us today. I cannot speak this effectively without your power. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to have complete control of this service, to use me as your mouthpiece, to speak to me and speak through me your word to your people. Give us truth this morning by your power and presence. We pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. There's four specific things that Jesus reveals to us here in this I am statement. Before we see those, I want to make two statements. In every one of the seven I am statements that we're going to look at in the book of John, Jesus ultimately tells us two things. First of all, he tells us who he is. Amen. He tells us who he is, and it's a very, very powerful thing the way he does it. When Jesus uses the particular words, I am, at the beginning of these statements, it's not by accident. It's not by coincidence. Listen, Jesus is using them for a specific purpose. The same words that Jesus uses in John chapter number 10, here in verse number 11 and throughout the rest of the chapter, when he says, I am, are the same words that was used all the way back in Exodus chapter number 3. Now you remember the story of what happened in Exodus chapter 3. We've learned about it ever since we have uh, been knee high to a grasshopper in Sunday school. We've been talking about the burning bush. And at the burning bush, God spoke to his man Moses. Now I want you to think about something. At the time that God was speaking to Moses, Moses was a murderer on the run on the backside of the Midian desert, the Bible says. And God spoke to Moses. Moses and said to him, Moses, I want you to be the deliverer for my people. I want you to go into Egypt and I want you, Moses, to lead them out of the place of bondage and into the place of blessing. I want you to take them to Canaan land. I've given them a good land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And Moses, you're going to be the one who leads them. Now, I want you to think about what God is saying and to whom he's saying it to. He's saying to a murderer on the run, in the backside of the desert, Moses, go lead my people out of bondage. Now let me say something to you folks. Some of you sitting right here this morning may be thinking you've went too far for God to use you. Some of you right here this morning may be thinking that you have messed up too bad and God don't want you. Let me say this to you. If God can use a murderer on the run in the backside of the desert to lead the nation of Israel from their bondage in Egypt, to lead them out from under the most powerful government in the world at that time, if God can use Moses to do that, God can use me and you for his honor and glory as well. If God can use Moses, he can use Israel. If God can use Moses, he can use 
You, if you believe it this morning, say amen. Listen to me, folks. You need to understand and know it's not about who you are, but who he is. It's not about your power. And like uh, Brother Kyle said this morning, it's not about your goodness. It's about his goodness. And so I'm thankful this morning God still uses people like Moses. Sinners. Standing in need of a Savior, God uses. Praise the Lord. So he says to Moses, Moses, go lead my people out. And Moses says, God, I can't do this. If I go into the most powerful man in the world at that time, if I go into Pharaoh and I say to him, let your slave labor go, let these people go, he's going to think I'm crazy and the people are going to think that I'm crazy. Who am I going to say sent me? And God said, you tell them the I am that I am sent you. The same word that God spoke to Moses in Exodus 3 are the same words that Jesus is speaking in John chapter 10 and throughout the rest of the statements throughout the book of John. Jesus is making the claim to be deity. Jesus is saying, I am God. I am the great I am. Now, how many of you this morning are thankful that he didn't say, I, that, that, that God did not say, I, I, I'm, I'm the I was God. That, that's not what he said. I'm, and God didn't say, I'm not the I will be God. But he said, I am the I am. He's the ever eternal, ever existing God. He is the God of the moment. He is the God of the now. He's the God of my moment. He's the God of your moment. Would you seek him today? Would you call on him today? Because he is present with us Right here in this moment. It's not that he I was. <laughs> Sometimes I think we believe the lie of the enemy when the enemy tries to make us believe somehow the God we serve today as Christians is not the God of the Bible. He's not the same as he used to be. My Bible says he has not changed. He has no need of change. He cannot Change. He is immutable. Hebrews 13 8 says that he is the same yesterday, today, tomorrow, and forever. How many of you know the same uh, dead raising, sea splitting, um, star breathing God that we read about on the pages of Scripture is the same God that we serve this morning? He can do what he's always done. He's not the I was God, he's the I am God. He's not the I will be God. It's not that we've got to wait to come to Him. It's not that we've got to perform some great feat on our own before we can be acceptable to Him. Listen, He is the I am God, the God of my moment and your moment. We don't have to wait. We can seek Him today right where we are. He's closer than your next breath. He's the omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent God of the universe. Jesus is making the claim here to be deity, the Son of God and God the Son. But not only, listen, does these I am statements, they tell us who he is, but they tell us what he came to do, what he came to be. And the Bible says right here that he is the good shepherd. There's four specific ministries Jesus, the good shepherd, performs for his sheep. And he reveals them to us right here in this text. Let's look at them. Number one, the first thing the good shepherd does for his sheep, he lays down his life for the sheep. Can you say amen? 
Look, look what the Bible teaches right here. John chapter 10, verse number 11. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd giveth, or gives. Everybody say gives. He gives his life for the sheep. Let's really drive this home, because Jesus really drives it home. Look down at verse number 17. Therefore doeth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it up again. Verse 18, no man takes it from me. How many of you believe this morning that Jesus freely, willingly laid down his life for us? A lot of people think that the Roman government was the cause of the death of Jesus. A lot of people think it was the Jewish authorities that caused the death of Jesus. Folks, listen to me. No man can take his life from him. He is the I am. He is the God man. Listen to me. No man can take his life. He freely, willingly laid it down. Matthew chapter number 26. You'll remember the story of Jesus and his disciples in the garden of Gethsemane. In the Garden of Gethsemane, the, the soldiers came to arrest Jesus that night. And when they walked up, a switchblade carrying Peter, you remember him, he drew his sword and went to whack off, or, or excuse me, hit a, a servant of the high priest by the name of Malchus. The Bible says that he cut his ear off. Now listen, Peter was a much better, much better preacher than he was a swordsman. I don't think he was aiming for his ear. I think he was aiming for his head. But he missed his head, hit his ear. Jesus reached out and healed the man's ear, which means he put the ear back on. Think about that just a moment. I thought about that several times as I've read that scripture. Here you have these men that are coming to arrest Jesus. One of them gets their ear took off. Jesus reaches out in his power and heals it. The ear forms back on the side of his head. Could you have arrested him? I don't know that I could have. It's amazing. Right there among all of them, Jesus put it right back on the side of his head. And he said to Peter, Peter, put your sword up. Do you not think that if I wanted to be delivered from my present state, all I've got to do is pray to my father and he would send legions of angels to rescue me? Jesus being the Son of God and God the Son, nobody could take his life, but he freely laid it down for the sheep. Why? Because the Bible says he's the good shepherd as opposed to the bad shepherd. He says, everybody that has come before me was a hireling. Look at verse 12. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaves the sheep. So what he's saying is, if you've got somebody hired to take care of the sheep, and they see the threat of the wolf coming, because it's not their sheep, and they're only been hired to do a job, they'll run away and flee, and the sheep will be in danger and scattered. He said, that's not me. I am going to love my sheep, for they are my own. And I'm willing to lay down my life for their protection. I'm willing to lay down my life for their provision. I'm willing to lay down my life for their peace. He is the good shepherd. 
He lays down his life for the sheep. I'm amazed, overwhelmed. And the love of God actually dumbfounds me. I, I can't get to the bottom of it. I, God loves me like he loves me. God does not need me, but wants me. God does not have to have me on his team, but allows me to be on his side. God does not need me in his kingdom, and he doesn't need you, but because he loves you, he made a way through the laying down of his life for you to know him, for him to know you. It's amazing. In the study of this, for this sermon this week, I noticed that Jesus is called the good shepherd in John chapter number 10, but he's called the Lamb of God in John chapter 1. John 10, 11, the Bible says he's the good shepherd. In John 1, 29, the Bible says that he is the Lamb of God. Now, let me ask you something. How can he be the Lamb of God and also be the good shepherd? Well, the Lamb of God speaks of his humanity and the uh, good shepherd speaks of his deity. See, he became a, the Lamb of God to identify with the sheep that were already here. He came to live like me with us so that he might die for us. He came and was born in the likeness of sinful flesh so for that he might go to a cross and die for sinful flesh. Amen? He is the Lamb of God, but he's also the Good Shepherd. Now, he's the only one who could pay the sin debt, for he was born perfectly through the seed of God so that he might live perfectly the life that we couldn't live. And then he went and took the punishment for my sin and for yours. And now the Bible says, for by grace through faith we can be saved. He laid down his life. Or the sheep. He's the Lamb of God, but He's the Good Shepherd. But not only do I want you to see that He lays down His life for the sheep, but the Good Shepherd knows His sheep. Look what it says. Verse number 13. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and cares not for the sheep. I am the Good Shepherd, and I know my sheep, and am known of mine. That might be the most intimate, powerful verse in the whole text. Years ago, I was pastoring at a different church and a mother and father came to me one Sunday morning after service. And they said, Pastor, I want you to talk with our, with our teenage son. We're having trouble with him. He's rebellious. He don't want to listen to what we have to say. He's going his own way and doing his own thing. Would you speak with him this afternoon? I said, yeah, I'd be glad to. So I asked the young man to come in my office. We sat down together. And the first thing he said to me, I'll never forget it. He said, Preacher, it's, it's just like my mom and dad. They just don't get me. And when he said that, I understood where he was coming from. Have you ever felt that way? Like people really just don't get you? I would venture out and say that probably everybody in here at one time or another have felt as though people really didn't know you for you. Right? 
I have. I've, I've felt that way many times. I think the reason is because we're afraid to be vulnerable. We're afraid to really let who we are be seen. Because we're scared of what people will think. We're scared of what people will say. So a lot of times what we do is we put on the fake smiles and nice clothes and come sit in places like this and smile real big and everybody thinks everybody, everything's okay. Am I right? We don't want anybody to know that we've got problems. We don't want anybody to know that we've got stuff we're dealing with. We don't want anybody to know just how broken we can be from time to time. And so we feel like nobody really gets us. Nobody really knows us, just like that young man was saying. Now let me get, I got some great news for you. I got some amazing news for you. Jesus gets you. Jesus knows you. He knows what you're feeling. He knows what you're thinking. He knows your doubts and fears. He knows the good points about you. He knows the bad points about you. And he still loves you. Are you hearing me? Regardless of who you are, where you've been, or what you've done, Jesus loves you. Now again, he loves me and he loves you too much to leave us like he finds us. He's in the business of changing us to be what he wants us to be, what we were truly created to be. Can you say amen? But he knows you. He knows us. He knows several things about us. First of all, do you know that he knows our name? Dale Carnegie wrote the book, how to win friends and influence people. He said something in that book. If you've never read that book, I want to recommend it to you. I think it's a, uh, a great book for self-improvement. Now, we know the, the greatest book for self-improvement is, is the Bible. It's the Word of God. But I love that book as well. It's a good one. It's a good one. And he says something in that book. He says, if you want to befriend somebody, you need to call them by their name. It's important. I believe that. Learn their name, call them by their name if you really want to be friends with someone. Now let me, let me say something to you. Do you know Jesus knows your name? Do you know he knew his disciples' name in the day in which he walked upon this earth and he still knows his disciples' names today? He has that intimate, personal relationship with us. Enough so that he can call us by name. He called Simon by his name in John chapter 1 verse number 42 and later changed his name to Peter. You remember in Luke chapter number 19 when Jesus was walking through the countryside preaching, teaching the word of God and also doing the miracles that only God could do? Zacchaeus had heard about Jesus coming by and so he climbed up in a tree Luke 19 5 Jesus walked by looked up in the tree and he said Zacchaeus he called him by his name why because he wanted to befriend that sinner he wanted to befriend that thief taking too much tax money and he said Zacchaeus come down from going to your house today John chapter 20 and verse number 16, Mary is walking in the garden after the crucifixion of Jesus. She was going back to anoint the body. But when she got there, she realized the body was gone. And if you remember, Jesus was there, but she didn't recognize him. 
And what happened? Jesus called her by her name. He said, Mary. And when she heard that, she recognized who he was. Intimate, personal relationship. Look at John chapter 10 and verse number 3. Watch what the Bible says. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by what? And he leads them. He calls us by name. Intimate, personal relationship. He knows our name, but how many of you know he knows our nature? <laughs> he knows our nature. See, there are certain characteristics about every sheep that make them different from all the other sheep. In speaking of the shepherd, naturally speaking, I mean, there's some sheep that may be scared of high places. There's some sheep that may be scared of dark places. Some sheep, mostly all of them, are scared of loud noises. And the shepherd knows the different characteristics about each sheep. He knew it in that day with his sheep, the disciples then, and he knows it today with his disciples now. He knows my nature. He knows what makes me tick. He knows me better than I know me, and he knows you better than you know you, and he, he knows what we need and what we don't need and how to comfort us best when we need comforting, when we need reassuring. He is truly the good shepherd. He knows my hang-ups, my insecurities. He knows my doubts. He knows when I'm discouraged. He knows what discourages me. And he knows how to encourage. He knows our nature. He knew the nature of Peter in that day. Peter was loud and bold and boisterous and outspoken. He's a little bit different from Andrew. Andrew was a people person. Every time you see Andrew throughout the word of God, he's bringing some people to Jesus. He knew Judas. Judas wasn't a people person. He used people. He knew him too. He knows the nature of sheep. He's the good shepherd. He knows my nature. He knows your nature. He knows what makes us tick. He knows our name. He knows our nature. And because he knows our nature, he knows our needs. He knows what I need, what you need. Some of you wives here this morning, you, you wonder, Will my husband ever figure out my real needs emotionally, relationally? What, what, I, what, what I really want, will, will they ever figure that out? Well, I don't know. We're still working on it. We're still learning all we can learn, doing all we can do, trying our best because we love you. But show us some grace because we're getting there. Maybe we're better than we used to be. But all of us, whatever needs we have, Jesus knows them. And because he has power to do all things, he can meet them. Isn't that good? You know, I, I, I'm so thankful that God has blessed me with my children. But I understand with that great blessing comes great responsibility. I understand now it's not just me and my wife. You know, before we had kids, we could get by on little or nothing. I mean, hey, beanie winnies and crackers, we could make it. We could live on love. That ain't how those kids operate. They need certain things. They need clothes on their back, shoes on their feet. And they want 
A lot of things. And because we love them, we want to give them what they want from time to time as much as we can. But that can become really overwhelming. That can, you can get to the place when you wonder, Lord, am I really doing the right thing? Am I, am I doing all I need to do? All that you want me to do? All they need me to do? Am, am I doing it? I am so glad. Jesus knows my needs as a father. And through his supernatural power and sovereign work, he can sometimes take my mess and make it a message. He can take my failures and turn it into victory. And he can do it in ways that just absolutely blow me away. How does he do that? How can he do that? Why does he do that? Because he's the good shepherd. And he knows my nature. And he knows your nature. He knows our name. He knows our nature. He knows our needs. Now, not only does he know us, but the more time we get to spend with the shepherd, we get to know him. We begin to understand and recognize his voice. We begin to understand and recognize how he leads, where he is leading. We begin to understand and recognize how good he really is. To know Jesus is to love Jesus. To know Jesus is to love Jesus. To really know him. I'm not talking about know about him. I'm not talking about have your name on a church roll. I'm talking about to, to know that Jesus has forgiven your sin. To know he is the friend that sticks closer than a brother. To know that I can raise my eyes to the hills for that's where my help comes from. To know that he is my redeemer, my sustainer, my provider. To know that he is my protector. To know him is to love him. To know him as the friend that sticks closer than a brother that I can go to at any time and pour my heart out to. Isn't he good? To know him is to love him. And the more time we spend with the shepherd, the more we get to know him. Listen to me, folks. Jesus knows his sheep as the good shepherd. Number three, the good shepherd unites his sheep. Look what it says right here. John chapter number 10, verse number 16, And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and they shall be one fold and one shepherd. Brother, if you will, please put for me Ephesians chapter 2, and I want to look at verses 11 through 16 just a moment. Just last week, a dear brother in Christ texted me and said, man, I'm just overwhelmed with the goodness of God. I've been reading Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 17. Now, I understand what the brother's talking about. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 17 is power-packed and good news for those who know Christ. In that, the Bible tells us, Ephesians chapter 1, that we are blessed with all spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus. And begins to list all of those spiritual blessings that we have in him. We don't have some spiritual blessings or most of the spiritual blessings. But in Christ we are blessed with all spiritual blessings. So I understand what the brother's talking about. Ephesians 1, 1 through 17 is absolutely fantastic. But let me say this. Keep reading. 
Keep reading. Oh, man. It even gets better, I think. I, all of it's good, but Ephesians 2, verses 11 through 16, watch this. Wherefore, remember that being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. Let me tell you what that verse is speaking of. Naturally speaking, physically speaking, in our physical lineage, our natural lineage, all of us can only claim to be a part of two groups. We're either Jews according to the word of God, naturally speaking, or we are Gentiles. Now, to my knowledge, everybody in here this morning, and probably most of who I'm speaking to online, all of us are probably Gentiles. Now, being Gentiles, we are separated from the good things of God. He says in time past, you were Gentiles in the flesh, you were called the uncircumcision. Verse 12, watch this. That at that, at that time, you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise. We were strangers from and separated from the promises of God himself. That's what it's saying. We had no hope and were without God in this world. Verse 13. But now, in Christ, ye who sometimes were afar off are made nigh by the blood of Jesus. Somebody say amen. We are made nigh to the promises. We are made nigh to the people. We are made nigh to God's purposes. We are made nigh to God's person. How? By the blood of Jesus. Jesus, the Bible says, has taken sheep from the other fold and brought them into one. He's united his sheep. So that there's no difference between the Jew or the Gentile. All who trust in Jesus are considered the sons and daughters of God. All who trust in Jesus are now partakers of the promises. All who trust in Jesus have a home in heaven. Does not matter what your natural lineage is, but what your spiritual lineage is. Have you been born again into the family of God? Verse number 14. For he is our peace who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments, contained in ordinances for to make in himself of twain, watch, one new man, one fold. For one good shepherd. Look at verse 16. And that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. One body of Christ, one head, one fold of God, one shepherd, the good shepherd. He unites the sheep. But now, the fourth thing that you've got to see in John chapter number 10, he lives. And gives life to the sheep. The Bible said there. John chapter 10 verse number 18. No man takes my life from me. Jesus told him. But I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down. I have the power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my father. Now. Do you know the Bible says in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. That if there is no resurrection from the dead. That we are still lost. Our faith is in vain. And we are still dead. In trespasses and sins. Jesus is the Lamb of God who laid down his life for us. Jesus did lay down his life, was buried in a tomb, but praise God he didn't stay there. He took his life back up again. And he conquered 
sin on the cross, and he conquered death through the grave. So that now all who trust in him have also conquered sin, not because of who we are, but because of who he is and what he's done. His perfect finished work. But also, we do not have to fear death for those who are in Christ. Because listen to me, folks. The victory over death was won at the resurrection. We are made partakers of His victory. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. Brother, if you will, please put that on the screen for me. I encourage you this week to go back and take a look at all of 1 Corinthians 15. That'd be a good quiet time for you. But 1 Corinthians 15, 57 says, But thanks be to God, which gives us the victory. Victory over sin, victory over death, victory over hell was made possible for us because of the work of the Good Shepherd. He lives and gives life to his sheep. Now, John chapter 10, verse number 19, there was a division therefore among the Jews after these sayings, and many of them said, He has a devil and is mad. Why do you hear him? Others said, These are not the words of him that hath the devil. Can a devil open the eyes of the blind? So they had a big dispute. There was a division over Jesus. Some said he was a devil because of the things that he had spoke there that day. He had claimed to be God and some didn't believe him. And some said, he can't be a devil. Demons don't open the eyes of blind people. That's things that only God can do. And so some of them trusted him as God. The debate is still going on today. And it's time that all of us choose a side. Either Jesus was a lunatic or he is Lord. Either Jesus was a liar or was speaking truth. Either Jesus was a good moral teacher or the Son of God and God the Son. He can't just be a good moral teacher. He can't just be a wise man because he claimed to be the Son of God and God the Son. You've got to trust him as one or the other. Are you hearing me? Was he a good moral teacher? Absolutely. Was he a wise man? Absolutely. Was he a prophet in one sense? Absolutely, but he was much more than that. He is the Son of God. He is God the Son. He is the Lamb of God and He is the Good Shepherd. And today, today, He wants you to enter in to His sheepfold. Do you know Him? Have you made the decision to trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior? If not, if you are one of His sheep, I want to encourage you this morning and let you know he knows right where you are in good times or bad. He knows what you're going through. He knows what you're thinking. He knows your good points, your bad points. He knows it all, and he still loves you. He still loves you. He wants you to experience the life he bought and paid for. 
He wants you to be what He created you to be. He wants you to follow Him. Wherever He leads, why don't we go? He's the Good Shepherd. If you need Him this morning, won't you come? If you need to be saved, as I say all the time, I'm going to keep saying it, coming to church don't save you, but church is a great place to get saved. I want to show you how that happens. I want to introduce you to the same Jesus who once saved me that can save you as well. Today, I want you to be a part of His fold to know the Good Shepherd. If you need to be saved, you come. If you need to just come and pray for different needs in your life or things that are going on with you, your family, your friends, your workplace, this altar is a great place to do that. I still believe in that good old-fashioned altar experience because the Lord changed my life in a good old-fashioned altar experience. Don't wait today. Be submissive to the will of God, the Holy Spirit, and as He leads, you follow. Brother.